Hello and welcome to the week two edition of Spitball. Your weekly quick fire roundup of the week's NFL action. Unfortunately, my co-host EJ the Hood Elgin is unable to join me tonight. However, I do have a treat in my fellow Spartans teammate Marcus I own Fantasy Football Henson. How are you this evening, buddy? I'm very good. I'm very good, mate. Thank you very much. You are pretty much killing our fantasy football league at the moment. How does it feel? Well, yeah, this is true. Like, on the pitch, I know I dominate, but, you know. And the Xbox. And the Xbox, yes. But uh, we, we digress. Let's uh, dive in, mate. Week 2, what what are some of your early thoughts on the Week 2 action? Uh, week 2, again, it's got to be offences. Offences this year, absolutely. It just, it's killing them. Um, last year, of course, we had the whole the, the lockout. Everyone, uh, everyone had that whole shaky start coming back into the season. A lot of defensive standings where um, offensive offensive look, looked they looked tired they looked uh, ill prepared. Um, this year it's the reverse they they come out fresh they're looking like they've had really good practices over the summer and uh, I think the defenses are a step behind personally. Ah right okay I mean is there any sort of teams in particular that you think are a, a bit behind the mark or are we sort of saying all defenses in general are a little step behind the offenses this year? Yeah, we're, um, sorry to interrupt you there, my friend, but um, yeah, myself and, and EJ have talked quite a bit about Andrew Luck and RG three. Obviously, only two weeks in, but um, how do you, who do you think is going to come out on top between Luck and RG three from these early two games? Exactly, and um, on on a slightly different note, but with the offences in mind, um, what do you think to the the um, 
standing officials we've had the first two games, there's been a lot of talk about how bad they are. And uh, with the Denver game in particular this week, where the first quarter lasted for over an hour, what what do you think of the replacement officials um, this so far this season? Um, personally, really not impressed. Um, again, talking as a Rams fan, um, a couple of decisions this Sunday. <laughs> we won't get into depth on that. But I'm personally, I'm uh, I'm asking the NFL to sort of you know take one for the team and you know get something written up with the the, the officials. Um, to you know, get them back on our sidelines for next Sunday. Then about, I mean, how do you feel about them? Um, well, I uh, I heard a rather interesting, um, uh, should we say? I don't know whether you'd call it. It was not so much a tweet, but a quote from uh, Lashawn McCoy this week, where apparently at one stage during the game, one of the officials turned to him and said, "Come on, McCoy, you need to get me more points for my fantasy team," which I don't think that's quite right. Um, there's also been a follow-up quote from the NFL of course saying that none of their officials are actually allowed to play fantasy football because it could have an effect on their decision making if say the example that was used was say their their running back was in the third and one situation maybe there's a, a little bit of holding from the offensive line but their running back goes into score then they're perhaps more prone to turn a blind eye to the holding so they get more fantasy points what do you think to that argument? So we're saying that they're um, not calling something to see whether the coaches do actually make a challenge or not, so it's more entertaining for the fans. To keep the game ticking along, exactly. Okay. Um, I would say it's only going to have a detrimental effect on the game because, as you mentioned, the referees, are in, their integrity is a key part of the sport we know and love and the game has to be called down the middle regardless of whether it's a stand-in ref, whether it's Joe Bloggs who's just come out of high school regardless of, of where they're from, they need to be making the calls down the middle so that everyone gets a fair showing and the players can perform at the best of their abilities because if the game's not being called fairly, then you can't expect players to to operate on that level. I mean, we know from experience this year, don't we, that when we've had our flag games this year, when whenever you get a dodgy call, your mind's thinking about why did they call that against us rather than trying to concentrate on the next play. It's, it can be very um, distracting, I feel. Oh, absolutely, and there's uh, another quote back to uh, our experiences is that taking up the uh, the, the sort of the refereeing 
Jersey and actually having to put your own mind into that of a referee and observe the game under those circumstances, you actually understand what gets, you know, sometimes you miss a call. Um, players will come up to you claiming the, that the opposition's done this and they've done that. At the same time, you're sitting there and you're, you're taking a lot of elements in and trying to um, process it in all but well, six, seven, eight seconds of, of, of time. Definitely, I think we'll, we'll sort of nail it on the head there. I think we both agree. Uh, dear Roger Goodell, please arrange yeah, a CBA right. with the referees as soon as possible, preferably in time for the Thursday night game. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, moving on from that, um, one thing that I can't help but bring up, um, particularly with his performances in uh, the last six straight games, including the back end of last season... There's a, a young running back by the name of Reggie Bush who I believe when he moved to Miami a lot of people said he wouldn't be able to run on grass. Um, he's just had his sixth straight 100-yard rushing game. Were they talking complete rubbish when they said he couldn't run on grass? I think what the, the biggest thing for me, rather than could he run on grass, was could he be an every-down back? And that was the big thing is that he didn't want to play no two, two back system in, in New Orleans that's why he suddenly went you make me numero uno or I'm going to be out of here they said you, you know that's not good enough for us you're going to be playing by our systems or not at all they said okay there's the door sunshine Miami said hey you want to be number one back you know we don't mind mate you, you and your personality and your ego can, can make home for yourself down here in Florida we love the bigger bigger the egos the bigger the personality is better but for me it's the fact that he can consistently be that every down back, the guy who, especially with the rookie quarterback, I mean, you need a solid running back in there to just take some of the pressure off him. And you look what happens when he can perform. Tannehill comes up with a pretty decent game, running touchdown, you know, um, no interceptions. You know, a good running back makes, makes for a very easy more efficient offence in my book and I mean I don't know how you feel about how this uh, Richie Bush sort of really coming as a, a number one back is um, I didn't really have any doubts if I'm honest with you because I think he showed enough um, potential when he was in New Orleans he, he did show that the burst of speed and his big playability he definitely showed that and has the ability to be an, an every down back I, I guess as you say it's more down to the New Orleans system where they like to have maybe someone to sort of pound it in for the first couple of downs and then have a quick back change of pace back to come in on a third down um, and also to share the workload so that sort of when the defence is getting tired and sort of halfway through third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, they bring on a fresh running back, say like a Reggie Bush or even Mark Ingram, Darren Sproles, they're going to have they're going to be full of energy and the defence aren't going to know what's hit them, particularly with, with people of the pace of Bush and uh, and also Darren Sproles. With New Orleans in mind, Sean Payton. Now, the New Orleans Saints are 0-2 this year, and before the season started, I genuinely thought they were going to struggle. People have said, or what I've heard, that they're such a good team, and with Drew Brees, it's not going to matter that Payton's not on the sideline every week because they'll be able to get by anyway. I think from an 0-2 start, I don't have, I don't agree with them. What do you think? Offense. The offense has never been a problem in New Orleans. The problem is the defense. 
week, you, you, you're looking at the fact is that, yes, this was the, the year they won the Super Bowl, it wasn't amazing either, but the fact was that they had in place the, the offense that could catch up, play catch up. They could ultimately you know, bring back that deficit and take over a game um, without really the confidence in in the defence, I think that's been shattered a lot. I don't know what other people listening would think about it. I personally think that if I'm a if I was a defensive player on that team and all this come out, um, even if I didn't take part in the bounty scheme, I'm now looking at maybe some of the people that did. I'm I'm, I'm lacking faith in those people, um, and I'm now sitting there knowing that the whole of America has is got a it's it, it's gun sight set on me that one move out of place and they're ready to take me down you know, when you're the, the proverbial bad guys of the league. So do you think then perhaps it's more an issue of confidence and perhaps there's an element of maybe their playbook's changed with a new defensive coordinator but are you thinking maybe it's um, more confidence within the players rather than the lack of Sean Payton and the lack of Greg Williams who is a phenomenal defensive coordinator, bounty, bounty gate aside, you can't deny the man's CV um, wherever he's been so yeah. You're thinking maybe more confidence. I'm thinking these players coming together and the fact that they aren't really bonding together because to be honest they're not feeling like a team right now. They're feeling like the the the, the proverbial sort of scapegoat that everyone can sit there and go, ignore what actually actually is going on this year. I mean what people want to talk about. Um, you know the fact that the refs, they're of course now with the the actual with the playing going forward. But the off season was all about this scandal. And what have you focused on? Have you focused on your training? No, you focused on the scandal and how you're going to come back from this. Well, ignore what they should do. Ignore what's gone on. Past it, past. You want to make the future. You've got to, you've got to act now to make the future. And I just don't. I don't see them coming together to do that. And the more games they start to lose. The, the worse they come together, I honestly think, again, I don't know how you feel or people listening feel, I feel it's it's a case of like, the more they start to dip, the worse it's going to get, ergo the pit will get deeper and they're not going to climb out of it. That's it, and I heard another interesting stat on Red Zone this Sunday, and that was that 14% of teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. So, it's a massive, massive uphill struggle, I think, for New Orleans to try and get anywhere near the top of the division, especially with losing to the division rival in Carolina as well. It's not really a great start to the season. But with defence two games against Atlanta to come as well. They're they're gonna be they're gonna be tough. Well yeah they played some uh, despite the hour long first quarter, I understand that Atlanta played I didn't get a chance to see the game myself because of the timings, but I understand that Atlanta's defence had a, a hell of a game containing Peyton Manning, particularly in the first half. So, are you thinking NFC conference game for them? Or are you thinking divisional? Where, where do you think they can get to this year? Um, I think you, what you put it, if they carry on the way they do, touch wood minus any injuries, I see that, that division being theirs. 
far as getting to the um, depending on that I can see them getting a bye week as well in the playoffs um, if they keep on the way they're going and um, I think honestly I could see it depends who they're seeing in the end because of course I see personally I see this this whole ma- matchup in the, uh, the the NFC game to be down to me personally Niners Falcons and personally I see Niners coming out of it Wow, Niners Falcons. That's a that's a bold shout there, going for Niners and Falcons instead of either Giants or Packers to face off against the hey, Niners. Hey, there's gonna be a lot of cheeseheads listening, and I'm sorry, guys, and a lot of New Yorkers who will not like me, but I see it's gonna be you know the, the guys from uh, guys from Georgia taking on the uh, California IA. Well, yeah. with the guys in New York, if there are any guys in New York that are listening that don't support Buffalo. What are you playing at? Buffalo are the only team that play in the state of New York. So get yourself up to Ralph Wilson every now and then and stop supporting the team from Jersey. Um, Moving swiftly on. So this year, uh, for our awards ceremony, um, it's something I want brought in on the blog. We had two awards, didn't we? We had uh, a Defensive Impact Player of the Year and a Offensive Impact Player of the Year. So to try and spice up my blog and also... I'll obviously do this on here. I would like from you, starting with your weekly week two defensive impact player, please. Okay, right. So my pick this week, the uh, defensive impact player of week two. I'm going to give it to Brandon Browner of Seattle Seahawks. Guy came in, cornerback. He maintained Romo Des Bryant. He was on that matchup all day. Literally, he came it down. He took four tackles, an interception, a forced fumble. The guy shut his Bryant down. Literally, you heard his name two, three times throughout the game. Romo had a bad game, to be fair, throughout all of it. But the contain in the secondary, and this guy in particular, this guy, I, I, I think he, he shone out to me as uh, one hell of a, uh, an impact player for, for Seattle. I mean, that entire... That entire um, secondary was just and what well, all defense was amazing and so kudos to Seattle and kudos to Brandon Browner my impact player of the week nice um, I see you missed out any special mentions there we kind of went straight for the kill shot so is there anyone else just to give you the chance before we before we move on to any other special mentions you feel worthy this week um, I have a special mention this week uh, I've got uh, a lot of love for I don't know I don't know if it's a particular player but I mean Again, I couldn't really pick one out of all of them, but it's going to have to go to the Pittsburgh secondary. I mean, those guys, um, the whole group of them, seemed to maintain the whole game up in uh, in Heinz Field. They kept uh, they kept the Jets on the field as minimum as possible. They kept you know, giving the ball back for Ben Roethlisberger to do what he needed to do to win that game. And uh, yeah, the entire the entire secondary the defense, the Pittsburgh defense, to me this week. Again, was uh, was outstanding in their game, and I honestly couldn't pick one person from them um, to sort of shine out as a star. So I'd say second place, but only just um, it goes to you guys in Pittsburgh. Congratulations to uh, Pittsburgh on on the being the runners up there. Uh, also, your offensive player, uh, offensive impact player of the week. So maybe a few little contenders first before we get into the the kill shot with the winner, please, mate. Get this right. Yep. <laughs> Take two. Take two. Okay, so we'll try this right this time with the offensive. And, of course, um, one of my contenders this week is 
just have to be, as a Rams fan, Danny Amendola. This guy, what they're calling already the new Wes Welker. Now, I mean, if you can get at least halfway near it, what Wes Welker's done is going to be amazing. But this week, outstanding. He was Sam Bradford's favourite guy. Looked at him pretty much all through the game. 160 yards and a touchdown. The guy can do it all. You know, those nice short receiving passes. Got a nice couple of deep balls roaming the ball. Pimp the guy was excellent as a contender this week. Um, someone else who I, I, I really feel did great for me this week um, was uh, Victor Cruz. And uh, I'm going to split this as well with Hakeem Nix. These guys, wow, how you split them? But, um, yeah, Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix, equal contenders this week. Both hitting over 150 yards. These guys are mental with a touchdown. I mean, yes, Eli Manning coming off this amazing game. But um, I'm going to have to give it to these guys rather than Manning himself because I feel that Manning could pretty much find find anyone. The guy has just got such a presence that he could do that, but it's these guys on the outside fighting off what I think is a pretty strong Tampa defense yeah. to actually get open, make plays, and consistently, you know, help Eli out to uh, to turn that, what I thought was a surefire L into a W. Brilliant. So, are they your winners, or are they another no, worthy mention? They're still in my second place. You really want to hear my winner? Yes, please. Yeah, like my winner this week. My winner goes to Mr. C.J. Spiller. Back. This guy, what can you say about him? He beasted. I mean, beasted it up this week. 123 yards and two touchdowns. And more receiving yards as well. This guy is phenomenal. In the backfield, out the backfield, on the side, in the slot. Blocking this guy. I mean, it is never nice to see a guy go out to injury week one. It's horrible. I mean... When we saw Jackson go out, you were sitting there going, ah, what are you going to do? You saw the loss in the Meadowlands. You sort of, you're sort of shaking your head. But then who comes in? Savior, he sits there. He's put it on his shoulders. He sat there. He said, I'm going to carry this. I'm going to step up to the mark just when you need him to. Mr. Impact Player, Mr. CJ Spiller. Brilliant. I'm so glad you mentioned CJ Spiller because in Buffalo we saw last year when he came in for Jackson, when Jackson went down in week 10, again, Spiller showed he can carry the load, put on an outstanding performance towards the back end of last season, uh, as luck would have it for him, rather than obviously for Fred Jackson, that Jackson goes down in week one. He had a stonking game last week, um, although despite the loss, um, this week, again, another outstanding performance against, I was actually quite disappointed by Kansas, because I mentioned them last week, saying how they'd impressed me in the first half against Atlanta. Their D was playing really well, solid. Uh, offensively, they, they were matching Atlanta point for point, but they they rolled into Buffalo and, and forgive the pun, but they just got stampeded, um, being led by the great CJ Spiller. So. No, 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 no pun intended there. I mean, I don't know. That would not have been a nice flight back to the uh, to uh, Kansas. I don't think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a long time to be stuck in a plane when you're going to be feeling pretty bad. Um, I just, I honestly, I, you you pick that game apart, and literally, I don't think really there's, there's a whole lot. Guys out there listening, any Kansas fans, you want to get in touch with us, let us know if there's anything that actually you picked up on it, but literally the whole game for me, I say you uh, guys, let's have a let's have a, a quarterback memory, let's forget that last play and get on to the next one and get on to next week. Brilliant. So... Just to, to recap, the uh, the Defensive Impact Player of the Week is actually named the Ray Lewis Award and the Offensive Player of the Week is known as the Megatron Award. I have given my answers on my weekly blog 
which you can find at www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com. Click on the lowdown and there you'll see my weekly blog along with the Ray Lewis and Megatron Awards. Someone else who I just want to mention on the offensive side of the ball goes back to the really tough Baltimore Eagles game. But Brent Selleck had a really good game this week, racking up over 100 yards in reception as in receptions against a tough Baltimore defence. Were you impressed with him this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, Brent Selleck, uh, this week coming in, really ripping it up, doing what he had to do. Michael Vick, uh, I feel that he's come out the starting gates with maybe uh, uh, a little problematic this year. Maybe he hasn't quite found his form, but that's when those big tight ends come in. Um, big security blankets, they come in running those nice soft wraps that you can just make sure you get rid of the ball nice and quickly, making yards after the catch. The guy was a power beast in blocking. Um, he is one of the foremost um, top five top five tight, tight ends in the league. And yeah, fair play to him. Mega kudos. Brilliant. Um, one other team that, that sort of rolled around their, about their business this week and ju- just got on with the job. San Diego. What, what do you make of what's happening in San Diego at the moment? Are they likely to, to push for the AFC West title um, bearing in mind that at the moment it is obviously quite a, a weak division what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I think they can push for it I mean to be honest I think that that, that league um, like I said it, I mean we were talking about Kansas I think if, if Kansas were to sort of you know, give themselves a bit of a slap wake up okay let's, let's you know get a roll going on I honestly think they could they could make something out of it um, Raiders as well maybe need to to get out of bed a little earlier tomorrow morning, get into the training field, start preparing. But I honestly think uh, that, that that division's completely open. Um, I liked what I saw. Some things I didn't like, like uh, Philip Rivers is still quite... He's a little haphazard, maybe, with his, his play decisions and his, uh, you know, um, passing. But uh, he, got, he got, came in, got the job done. Um, that running back situation, they still really haven't found that uh, one running back to sort of replace uh, Tom uh, uh, LT, and it's it's noticeable because you end up, I mean, they ended up putting a lot of it in the air, and they were lucky that Titans didn't do more damage than they could have. I mean, well, um, they have anyone else who was not a D, I think you'd have trouble because they 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 work out the game plan, they suffocate you. Yeah, I think it doesn't help that that Ryan Matthews is obviously. Um, he's out injured as well at the moment, isn't he? I believe so. That wouldn't help either because Ryan Matthews has shown fits and bursts over the last couple of years. He's he's been one of the top fantasy performers, which I'm sure you would have picked up on yourself, Mister Fantasy Football over there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's just that depth chart. I mean, you're gonna be thinking these days. I think in the league, you gotta think vulnerability at all times taking account that the players probably aren't going to make it through all season. You have a strong number two, but I'm guessing <laughs> somewhere down the line, the uh, the recruiter just wasn't quite uh, quite thinking about that. Either that or it's just the guys have got to step up to the plate. You know what? It's the bottom of the ninth, guys. Think of it like that. And, you know, what can I do to make sure that, you know, I'm going to still be here even when Ryan Matthews does get healthy? Yeah. Um, what am I going to do to compete on this team? And uh, there's some running backs in San Diego that they really need to uh, think about that. Yeah, there's one thing, a question I always ponder to myself when it comes to San Diego. Now, I know he's gone on to win two Super Bowls in New York, but I often wonder, how many Super Bowls do you think Eli Manning would have won had he actually gone to San Diego like he should, as he was drafted, um, rather than throwing an Eli Manning paddy fit and saying, no, I want to play in New York? 
bearing in mind at the time he would have been drafted on defence, he would have been surrounded by the likes of Merriman, Phillips, Cromarty. Uh, he would have had Ladanian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson. W- what do you think? I think um, I don't think you're going to change um, history all too much for the San Diego Chargers. I, I think change history a lot more dramatically for the Giants. I think those uh, those Super Bowls for the Giants, you uh, you take them and you erase them from history. Uh, I don't think Philip Rivers is the same quality as Eli. Uh, I think a little bit of Manning magic. Comes uh, comes out during the playoffs. I would have thought that um, they would have been a strong, uh, San Diego would have been a strong contender in the playoffs. Whether or not they could have toppled that that uh, democracy and uh, pure powerhouse that was the Patriots in the early two thousands um, and going into the sort of mid mid sort of late noughties, uh, I don't think I don't think they would have been able to. I mean, it's just getting through that whole playoff system. I think. Uh, what the Giants had and Manning had was the fact is that they didn't have to go through the playoff system in that knockout format with the play, uh, with the Patriots in mind. They would meet them in the Super Bowl uh, at very worst. So I think, yes, yeah, San Diego, um, Eli Manning would have probably got knocked out by the Patriots in maybe two or three AFC conference games. Maybe they would have knocked out the Pats in one as well. You know, you got to give benefit of the doubt. I just... Um, at the end of the day, it's almost a sort of Eli Manning, Philip Rivers. If you swap them around, what happens? Um, yeah, I, I still feel Eli Manning is probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame, even if he became a Charger. Yeah. Because he'd put the stats and he'd get the results. Philip Rivers, um, I'm just not sure you're there, mate. Sorry. I mean, Charger fans are probably right now um, desperately trying to find ways on, online of uh, fire my address and coming to get me I'm sorry um, but honestly I don't see I don't see Philip Rivers as the Hall of Fame um, miracle game winning quarterback Manning is I would have to agree and I, I love to hate Eli Manning to be honest we know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I've said it before he's just such an easy target I mean he comes across as just being um, so goofy just uh, so dumb as it were, but when it comes to comes to football Sunday, um, he really does impress. And as we saw in the the last quarter in that game against Tampa Bay, when the game was on the line, two touchdowns down, Manning steps up, makes the plays, come away with a win. Um, but I tell you, a team that that we've mentioned just just now that didn't come away with a win gives me great pleasure. Obviously, that the New England Patriots didn't win this week. What do you make of their game against Arizona? Uh, they game against Arizona. Um, firstly, it's uh, um, I feel bad for it was Hernandez, wasn't it, who had the, the bad injury? Yeah, three to four weeks. I think they reckon he's going to be out for. Um, I think um, I think that's going to hurt them because the whole point is having the two tight ends. Is that Gronk and Hernandez? Which one do you cover? Because literally one of them will, will be stuck with a with a um, linebacker covering him, and that's just the matchup they they, they dream of. Um, secondly, Cardinals, where have you been hiding? I mean, tell you what, that's a, that's a, that's a heck of a way for, for Kevin Cobb to sit there and go, this is my team, this is how we do it. Um, I feel sorry for that kid at the end. Oh, the, the fumble. The fumble to give Patriots hope, though. I can only imagine the, the joy and elation that came from him when uh, that just careened wide left. I mean, 
a shout and take him there. Yeah, I think he could be right. The Patriots fans would have, uh, in their true fashion, been completely silent, no doubt. No, oh, I bet there's any drops at a moment, really, there. Uh, but, no, honestly, Cardinals, you know, kudos to you. I mean, as a Ram, I probably should be sitting there and uh, not mentioning how, how great I thought you were, but, you know what, to take down the Patriots, you know, is it, no easy target. I mean, uh, offensively and defensively, there wasn't anything amazing I saw. There wasn't, like, an oh-my-god moment like to really stun me but you know what they just controlled the football good old fashioned you know control the football um, complete the passes you know hold on to your tactics you work out that game plan until you you know it comes down to the final minutes and you know you need to to make that that clutch play now sitting there the clutch, the clutch play completely backfired and when all doom was seemed to be lost you know um, and the luck came out here, you know, the football gods smiled on you for the day. But I think they can hold their heads high and say they didn't win by luck. You know, they earned that victory, I think, for most of that day. Because like I said, that defence came up with a stop. And uh, um, really, to be honest, uh, I don't understand why they didn't just go for compact runs down the middle to run out the clock. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to run it wide and offer up the, um, the possibility of a fumble. But yeah, talk too much on that. Congratulations, Cards, that was a well-deserved victory. And uh, on that note, uh, I'm afraid we've actually run out of time. So I'm afraid that's the the end from myself and, and Marcus today. Um, all I will do is finish off by saying that for more information on this week's action and sort of more um, detailed analysis, uh, all of the breakdown of the results, um, go to uh, see my blog at www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com. Uh, click on the lowdown give it a read, um, there's a feedback form on the website if you want to make any comments also you can email me at bullhawksnest at gmail.com or of course find me on twitter at Adri Mallows if you've got any general comments on the show or even if you want to be a part of the spitball then please do get in touch and for now it's goodbye from us, thank you very much <laughs>